50 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM. If you're listening over there, WROLradio.com, TuneIn Radio, uh, the app. You can always check out the app. Uh, any of your favorite app stores, you can find WROL on the app, and you can listen on your smart speaker, all kinds of things and ways to be able to find us. You can listen on your phone. Uh, with your phone in your shirt pocket, you can do uh, all kinds of all kinds of ways to listen to us, and I appreciate every single one who does. Hey, if you're in the East Providence, Rhode Island area today, take a ride down by the new AAA office off of the Wampanoag Trail, and there is going on at 10 o'clock today. There is a car seat checkup event. Uh, you can check it out, and you know if you have a child, a grandchild that needs to be properly fastened in a car seat, you can. Uh, Check it, check it out. Have somebody put that car seat in for you. Dennis seems to be having trouble with the phones. Or not. No, there's no trouble with the phones. It's trouble with the phones for your the guest that you want. Oh, why? I'm getting a busy signal. Oh, okay. How, how do you get a busy signal in today's... Cell phones? Cell phones. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, but... Maybe you just do sometimes. I don't know. So, Dennis will deal with that. We have uh, we're going to be talking to John Joe Hearn coming up. He is from Advanced Remarketing Services, which is not at all what you think it is. We'll we'll give you some more information about that coming up. Um, maybe maybe. Um, Jay Mays, who is a, a designer for Ford Motor Company, formerly with Aston Martin, he worked. Um, on the Ford Fusion, the design of the latest Ford Fusion, that was his design. And um, he retired from Ford Motor, Motor Company as chief designer in 2014. And he said he was sick of doing appliances. Well, now he actually is doing appliances, I guess. Last week, Whirlpool Corporation announced that Mays will take over October 15th, his 64th birthday as vice president and chief design officer. Uh Mays made the comment about appliances in 2013 interview of automobile design and production. He was discussing the state of the automobile design at the time, not white goods. It's unclear whether Mays will relocate from London, where he'd been based at Ford, to uh, Whirlpool's headquarters in uh, Michigan. Whirlpool likes, likes Ford executives. Mays is at least the third high-ranking ex-Ford guy. Well, it's interesting. I met Jay Mays at an event in Cambridge once. And I guess the appliance, even though he said he doesn't, you know, the thing about designing appliances, he loved walking through Target and looking at the small appliances in Target to um, see what was, uh, see what was going on, see what was, see what was up to date, look at the colors that were fashionable at the time. Um, it was, uh, it was sort of, sort of interesting. It was uh, interesting that he would be, he would be that involved. So, uh, so to see that Jay Mays is now gone from that to something else. Yes, it may have been user error. Oh yeah, 
Are we all set now? Yeah, we're all set. Oh, we're all set. Okay. How can it be a user error? Because I f- keep forgetting that these phones, you don't have to dial nine before you go oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just dial yeah, the number. Yeah, that, that could be... Don't you, didn't you work for a phone company in for a bunch of years? Every phone that I had a call out on, I had to dial nine all or right, seven. All right, fine, fine. So, uh, uh, with us on the phone is the president and CEO of um, Advanced Remarketing Services, uh, Joe Hearn. And uh, I met Joe, I guess, uh, this week when he won an award. And the first thing I kind of said to myself was, I don't understand this company. Joe, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program in Boston. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, let's start off first. You know, I, I said to I said to my producer, Dennis, uh, advanced remarketing services, what do you think that is? And he's like, um, a company that remarkets um, returns from Amazon? And I said, <laughs> uh, not quite. Uh, no, no, we... Um uh, our interest in Amazon is like everyone else's. My Amazon Prime account is very important to my daily life, but has nothing to do with, it, with uh, what we do for a living. Um, so our company, Advanced Remarketing Services, and maybe it's a poorly chosen name, is focused on vehicles at the end of their useful life. The term remarketing, you guys are familiar with because it really refers to the transfer of vehicles at wholesale. Um, and the remarketing industry includes automobile auctions, wholesale transfers between dealers, really the traffic of around you know, 14 million cars annually fall under this broad and really misunderstood, if you're not in the industry term, remarketing. Well, I guess the advanced part comes from the fact that we are focused on what has traditionally been one of the um, least sexy and most kind of important parts of the vehicle life cycle, and that's the end of the useful life. Um, so our services are focused at um, uh, really at, really at the recycling sector and we connect um, recyclers who are actually uh, manufacturers they manufacture either used parts or the raw material that come from recycling vehicles um, uh, into the recycling stream so the vehicle is more for the recycled consumer product and while people don't spend a lot of time thinking about it it's a really interesting process to get that car uh, off to the end of its useful life how much of a car? I don't even know if that helped. I don't know if that helped. It did. It actually did. Yeah. How much of a car is actually recyclable? Well, that, that can be answered uh, uh, several different ways, right? Because the automobile recycling rate is already over 120 percent because so much of a vehicle built in, um, you know, either 15 years ago or in 2018 is built from recycled content, content, mostly because the steel and the ferrous metals in the vehicle are um, infinitely recyclable. So um, there is, uh, so, but if you really want to talk about individual vehicle or what's kind of recyclable, um, there is no part of the vehicle being built that hasn't been considered all the way down the um, recycling stream. And uh, while parts, there's, there are certainly things that don't fit neatly into our array system when you talk about um, uh, auto recycling, like, uh, Traditionally, that's considered the auto fluff, mm-hmm. the non-ferrous, non-petroleum, non-recycled materials. That's you know that there's always they're always looking for new creative ways to use that particular content, and the amount of that content that goes into the cars is really reduced. Plus, the recycling stream gets more and more sophisticated as, as time goes on, and they are now able to harvest 
uh, you know, uh, um, precious metals um, and, and metals in really small um, uh, small amounts from electronic mm. components of vehicles. It's uh, it's not your it's not your grandfather's junkyard. Yeah, right? it's a it's a modern technology um, organization, and uh, that's why ARS has a role because we we connect those types of organizations. Yeah, if somebody was just tuning in a few minutes ago, they would think you owned a, the world's largest junkyard. But in fact, yeah, but in fact, that's not you're you're really a technology company. You're not a salvage company. No, right. We're a technology company. So you know. We don't own a, a, a square inch of real estate where we're trying to uh, park vehicles and, and do the hard and, um, and important work that our recycling partners do. And, uh, you know, the, again, the name Advanced Remarketing Services, um, when we think of companies that do vehicle donations, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the Salvation Army, the Kidney Foundation, um, Advanced Remarketing Services never pops up on those lists. Um, yeah. Um, are you are you sort of the are you sort of the uh, the Oz behind the curtain of some of those companies? <laughs> That's kind of a nice way to think of it. So um, the curtain is actually the curtain is actually what should be the donor's connection with a charity that they know, trust, and support. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is true. Um, uh, Advanced Marketing Services run one of the nation's largest and probably you know I, I won't say this. I, I'm convinced the nation's best vehicle donation program. Oh, if you don't think so, who is? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but not only do I think so, also the California Attorney General thinks so. Anybody who kind of follows through on these programs, there's some reporting that actually supports my assertion. But we, behind the curtain, run the National Vehicle Donation Programs for Habitat for Humanity, the UNICEF, American Cancer Society, March of Dimes, uh, the um, uh, Arthritis Foundation. We have also uh, run the vehicle donation programs for um, the Car Talk Vehicle Donation Program for a period of 11 years and probably have that, res- that um, relationship as well. Um, uh, we, the reason you don't hear about advanced remarketing services in that conversation is because we're the processor, mm-hmm. right? Um, we never really try to put our brand first. We do have um, kind of a, a, a website and a service that is at cardonationwizard.com. If you would go to go to cardonationwizard.com, you'd be able to select from a wide array, like the array of charities that we represent, and for the most part, the large national brands that um, I just mentioned are, um, are who we are most closely associated with. Uh, we've raised, well, geez, um, you met us through the presentation we got. We've raised over $150 million for the charity partners that we work with and have returned over 80% of every gross dollar back to the charity, including all costs of transportation and processing, and that makes us the gold standard in that industry by a country mile. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, when people donate a car to a charity, they, um, you know, they're, they're able to take a at kind of a flat $500 donation from that, and then anything additional, if the car gets sold, um, they can take that additional deduction on their taxes. But um, not all of these car donation sites are created equal. In fact, I'm not sure all of them are charities. No, no. And actually, some of the ones that I would really warn um, uh, really warn consumers against using are, in fact, 501c3s. But our charities, in the, in, they are charities in a legal sense, but not in the sense that you would most, uh, most you know, hope. 
Um, this industry has a well-earned and deserved black eye um, for uh, a lot of kind of quasi-legitimate um, processors um, getting involved in this business because they're able to essentially acquire a, acquire an asset from a donor for zero dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's uh, if you if you continue to look behind that curtain and find out if it's what kind of demon Oz is, it's um, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of people that you would hope um, you know a lot of uh, a lot of charities that that might go buy a very cute kids count sounding name or you know a jingle or or you know um, uh, we look you know poor poor spelling poor spelling of the words exactly that's one of my favorite. <laughs> Um, or, or near misses, uh, the broad association, are you dealing with, like, who are you dealing with when the word cancer is in there? Um, like, people have been du- duping donors or, um, for, for, for many, many years, um, you know, just because donors are out there to, trying to solve two problems. One is they want to do something good with their vehicle, and they want to get it out of the driveway in many cases, and that creates way too much opportunity. So, um, but really, there's, I mean, there are, there are large national organizations doing tens of million dollars in car donation, and I have never, ever seen the work that they do in the street. There are quasi-religious organizations that hide their religious affiliation behind these cute sounding names, and you, again, have never seen the difference they've made in their communities. So mm. uh, it's pretty despicable. It is, it is pretty despicable. The California Attorney General, who's been very proactive on this, the Minnesota Attorney General has been very proactive on this. Texas, these states have like uncovered programs where, where um, there's been you know tens of millions of dollars raised, and less than you know fourteen percent ever get back to any charitable organization. Mm. So um, it's you know like I said, it's a it's a well deserved black eye, and I you know I caution people to be careful about who they who they work with. It yeah. doesn't certainly have to be me. There are other organizations that I respect to, to accept our donations as well. But um, if you deal with any of ours, you'll know um, that they are actually run to and for the benefit of the organization, which makes us pretty rare in that space. Yeah, it it it, it sounds like it really does and, and and you're right, you're it's easy for a company to sort of take advantage of somebody, especially if it's a, you know, maybe it's a loved one's car that they passed away five years ago. It's been sitting in the garage and it had some sentimental value. Now it's just starting to be something that takes up too much space. And it's like, they want to make sure it goes the right way. Um, people, people contact me a lot of times and they, and they'll ask, well, what charity should I use? And a lot of times I'll say to them, you know, I caution them about the same things you just did, but also, you know, maybe a charity that, that mirrors your own, um, your own beliefs. And, you know, if you, if you want to donate yeah. to, you know, a veterans organization, or you want to donate to, um, a kidney found what, you know, whatever it is, look and see if that mirrors your beliefs and then see what kind of charity supports them and whether the money's actually going to the charity or not. hundred percent. I mean, and it's a, it's a very timely lesson, uh, for, for donors in any, in any space and vertical, right? The, there's over 750,000 501c3s in the United States. Probably that number is a lot higher now. That's an old number. And it creates a tremendous amount of choice. But, you know, your point is so well made. You know, look around, ask the question, take those two steps. Because not only is the money not getting back to the organization you care about, but those same kind of spurious, tricky sneaks 
aren't really uh, properly executing the transfer of your vehicle, right? Hmm. They're doing uh, uh, one very dangerous practice, which is called skipping title. Um, they, they, they don't have you sign the title over to the charity or their agent. So in this particular case, if you um, have an affinity or, you know, you, you volunteered for Habitat, right? Mm. They're one of our favorites, yep. and I've been a long-term volunteer of those as well. When you go to donate that car, you are actually going to sign on your title, Advanced Remarketing Services. Now, the reason you're not selling out Habitat for Humanity is because they're taking tens of thousands of vehicles and they're not an automobile dealer. Right. But I'm acting as their agent in this transaction so you can sign over the title to us. And that's all wonderfully disclosed on our website. Mm-hmm. But anyone who just encourages you to just leave the title blank and, and we'll take care of it, run away. Run in the opposite direction. Right. You are now you are now in the danger zone, right? Um, whether or not that they are claiming at that point that their your car will find its way back to Habitat or that your car will um, uh, support, you know, American cancer, they're they're not. It's it's um it's I mean, I can't even tell you how many times our, our charity partners have had to send cease and desist about, you know, using their names and reputation. It's mm. shark-infested waters. Yeah. No, it, you, you bring up a really good point because I, I've seen that with just, um, you know, people people see a car for sale and they'll go to buy it and they'll sell. They'll say to the, the seller, oh, just sign the title. I'll, I'll fill in the rest of it. I'll make sure it's done. And all they're doing is reselling it sort of under that person's name and skipping paying the registration title and sales tax as the middle person and they become essentially a car dealer, which they're not. Right. Yeah. Right. And you basically handed over the keys to a, a missile, an uninsured vehicle at right. that point to, to a buyer that you think you know, but you don't because they're not the charity or the representative you'd hope for. Right. And, um, and, and, and there is, there is a limit to your liability in that situation, but it's, it's a lot higher than you think it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, we're rendering, I mean, if you go to any one of associated or associated properties, you'll see pretty detailed information about title transfer and, uh, it's, uh, and, and appropriately executing um, uh, your title on behalf of these charities and organizations. It's a step that we probably are very careful about, and I see, I see that our, you know, our charity, Carter Nation Industry, is really, really cavalier about So. We're talking with Joe Hearn, the president and CEO of Advanced Remarketing Services, and I think we've kind of really taught our listeners a lot about some of the some of the pitfalls and problems that could be in uh, in the car donation and sort of the end of end of life of vehicles and what's going on with them. Now, you don't obviously sound like a junkyard guy. Um, how did you How did you get into what made you look at this? You you sound like a tech guy. How How did you get into this and say, you know, there's a need for this, and I'm maybe the guy who can build a company and can make the need. So first, you know, I don't need to correct you, but I'm a junk guy. Oh, okay, all right. Probably I'm a junk guy. I I, uh, I these are my people. I um I, I love what I love what they're trying to do. I so, agree that I'm, so, I'm so not. Do you, so do you walk model. in? So do you walk into a junkyard, take a deep breath, and say, "I like the smell of a junkyard in the morning." I'm home. I'm home. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not quite. It's not quite that. But um, I've I've just been associated with this industry for a long time, and I have so much respect. And, and and it's one of these places where you find so many smart and committed entrepreneurs that um, it, it's really it's really been uh, a real source of. Uh, Pride and joy to, to continue to be associated with the terrific organizations like the United Recycling Group of uh, Recyclers Group 
out of Texas, the ARA. Like, there's some yep. really great junk guys out there that I'm, I'm proud to associate with. But you're right. I am a technologist, right? Um, we have a company full of, um, uh, of people who aren't out operating loaders and heavy equipment. They're, they're trying to connect buyers and sellers in real time to our applications and tools. But the answer to the question about how I got involved was um, by accident. Uh, and it was uh, through uh, a previous life where I was a fundraiser. Um, uh, I, in Rhode Island, actually, was working for the National Kidney Foundation in the early 90s. And at that time, they, they had a car donation program that was kind of, um, they kind of fell out of the sky. It was, uh, it was you know, this was a long time ago, and they weren't kind of a part of everyone's life. But at that point, um, the, American, the National Kidney Foundation, I think, was doing around 72,000 uh, donated cars annually. Because people were looking for a solution to this end-of-life question. And um, they uh, scaled very quickly. Um, and they approached, uh, because of the scale, the Massachusetts Register of Motor Vehicles approached um, a guy by the name of Bob Lyons, who was uh, um, just one of, uh, one of the smartest guys in the salvage space, about how do we do this, how do we scale this quickly and, and do it in a responsible way. Well, Bob, who was a the New England guy, and his, his Boston's work, his businesses were all over um, the Northeast, um, developed a solution for them. Um, and that's how I got presented to this world and to Bob who would eventually become my business partner, who I would eventually go work for and his company auto placement center for a number of years. I would then get absorbed in an acquisition, go work in the automobile auction industry. Um, but you know, it, it, it was, it was a series of happy accidents. Um, I like cars, um, but I wasn't ever a gearhead or anything like that. I did, didn't leave college with an intent of kind of <laughs> becoming a junk guy or a technologist. I was trying to figure it out. I would ultimately become an, uh, an entrepreneur because um, I thought that the channels that were being used to handle these end-of-life vehicles were inefficient, and it just didn't make sense to me. The amount, of, the amount of touches, the amount of transportation, the amount of wasted effort that was happening to get a car from you know, the driveway or the scene of the accident or um, it's, you know, wherever the end-of-life occurs um, was just enormously wasteful, and fortunately for me, I think it might have also been a little bit unemployable at that point. I, was, I really wanted to do something that I thought would matter and make a difference, and, and the opportunity to work for charities and start out on my own was enough. So um, we organized Advanced for Marketing Services. We started with Habitat because, again, I'm a 20-year volunteer of that organization, and, um, and, and, uh, and kind of continued to grow from there. No, well, and, uh, you know, it is, it is one of those is one of those things that, we have to we have to think about we have to as as we consume so many cars we have to think about where they go when we're when we're done with them and we want to know that if we are doing if we if we think we're doing the right thing we want to make sure we're doing the right thing and and I think it's companies like yours that help those charities that are doing the right thing that bring their money back um, is is really important and congratulations on your best of Rhode Island award from the. Um, Social Enterprise Greenhouse and and all of the folks that went into that award and the presentation that went to it. And uh, again, I think it's sort of a uh, you're one of those best kept secrets kind of kind of out there doing what you do and caring about what you do and making sure that it gets done correctly. If people want to find out more information, uh, website they can go to to learn a little bit more about you. 
Sure. I, you know, I, especially on the topic of car donation, we're very easy to find. It's cardonationwizard.com. Mm-hmm. And when you get on those landed pages, you'll see the charities that we're contracted through to perform their services. But it answers a lot of questions about our donation services and everything like that. Um, uh, our, our, our company website is ARS Cars for Advanced Remarketing Services Cars. Um, and you'll see there are other product offerings in the space for, for dealers and dismantlers and, and uh, consumers. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, I so appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation about car donation. It's obviously something that not only me, but our entire organization is very pa- passionate about. The award we were presented is really all credit is due to what is what I'm most proud of, which is a terrific kind of really loyal and and uh, determined staff who have been with us since day one. So, um, yeah, we continue to grow very, very quickly, and we'll probably be less, we're hoping to be less of that best kept secret and more in these types of conversations. But thanks for the invite to the show. And, and, and you're, and you're, and you're located, and you're located in the, in the smallest state in the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's a great thing. And you, you said you, you like cars, but you're not a gearhead. Anything special in the garage? Yeah, well, there's, yeah, <laughs> bias, yes, there's a couple things. Um, we have a, uh, a 1973 Eldorado convertible that we call Betty that we um, take out on these beautiful New England fall afternoons. Um, and uh, our my daily driver is a, a 1985 Dodge uh, Ram Charger. Uh, ah, that, okay. That, uh, we, we, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like it, it happens to you. I say I'm not a gearhead, I'm not a real car guy, but it get, once it gets in your blood, that, that whole thing, it's, it's fair to stay. Well, I think uh, today's going to be a great day to put the top down in that, uh, yeah. in that 1973 Eldorado and, uh, and cruise around with, uh, with, what, with what was for the longest time the biggest V8 engine produced, I think, so. Yeah, yeah, 500 cubic, yeah. you bet. Yeah. 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 That's a real, that, that is a real interesting vehicle, front-wheel drive. It's a pretty pretty cool car. Yeah, it really is. Hey, Joe, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning and join us on the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Hey, I appreciate it. It was super fun. Thanks for the opportunity, and, and uh, great knowing you. All Good right, time. take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It was Joe Hearn. He is the president and CEO of Advanced Remarketing Services. I met him at a, at a luncheon. I'm sort of a... Um, I'm on the D list of invitations for stuff. It's like when uh, when we get when we buy a table to support certain things at work, and um, you know they they say, hey, you know who wants to go to lunch, and then it gets eventually gets down to we need somebody to fill a seat. So that's usually when I go to those things. So and I'm fine with that. You know, it's uh, uh, you get you get a lunch, you get to meet somebody, and I don't want to do it all the time. So it, it all works out, all works out good. So and. Uh, Joe really didn't have a lot. He didn't give him a lot of time to talk. But one of my coworkers said to me, "You know, he sounds like he'd be pretty interesting. Maybe we should chat with him." And I think there's even more to talk about maybe in the future with, um, you know, with um, AAA as well. So all kinds of stuff. Well, I got a note from, of all people, the people at Capital One, and it says October second. Mark's Name Your Car Day for drivers to embrace the fun and lighthearted side of car ownership. Um, and that, and I think when people donate their cars, then they donate, you know, their whatever the name of their car is, um, they, uh, 
they feel bad sometimes seeing it go away. But uh, 2018 National Name Your Card Day survey commissioned by the GM Bipower Card, which surveyed 1,276 licensed drivers in the United States, found that 42% of the respondents named their vehicles with nearly three-quarters, seven, almost 75% of those surveyed acknowledging that name, that naming a car fosters a stronger bond with that vehicle. Of those naming vehicles, uh, the survey revealed that women were 7% more likely than men to designate special titles for their cards. 55% of respondents went one step further and personified their vehicles as female. The most popular names uh, drivers bestowed on their vehicles were Betsy and Betty, which I thought was kind of very traditional old-timey name. Uh, 78% of drivers have, who have named their cars say they're... Their cars, uh, they know someone else who has named their car as well. They're not shy. 82% of their drivers said they share that name freely with family and friends. Uh, 56% said car personality, make and model, color, influence car's name because 43% of drivers want to name their uh, theirs after they've owned it for a month or so. So they want to get the, they want to get the, Check it out and see what it see what it feels like. But I thought it was I thought it was interesting that uh, you know people name their cars and still interesting that Betsy and Betty were um, popular names. You know, every every once in a while when we talk about um, what happens, you know, if the world goes to ride sharing, if people just share one car or they go to ride hailing with Lyft and Uber. You know, people are, people are like, well, cars will be, like Jay Mays, tired of uh, designing appliances. Cars are just appliances. People don't name their washing machines, and people name their cars, and, and a big number of people name their cars. So sort of sort of interesting. Uh, you know, most people spend, uh, it says here, uh, they spend at least $1,000 a year towards their vehicle. This includes maintenance and aftermarket upgrades. So they put that personalization sometimes into their car, or they go buy a car named after a movie like Dennis did. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> the other thing is is that a lot of times the car is, the, is someone's own personal space. Even though they might not like sitting in traffic and they might not like their commute, there is that, okay, I got nothing going on. It's just me. It's never going to be ride sharing or all that. Just, spe- I mean, it, that'll grow significantly, yeah. but it's not going to be exclusive. Sometimes on a daily basis, people spend more time in their car than they do w- in waking hours with their spouse. This is true. This is very true. Yeah. I'm looking at one right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Tom in Weymouth. Tom. Yes, good morning, John. Good morning. Since you're talking about junk vehicles and so forth, can you can you legally junk a car at a local junkyard, let them take it? If you don't hold the title, you don't have it, you lost it? You're not supposed to be able to. Okay, so legally you're not supposed yeah. to. No. Does that happen from time to time? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, you know, sometimes what happens is it, uh, you know, they'll they'll take it they'll take it without the I've I've heard of it happening before, but but technically every car is supposed to have something that sort of signifies where it went from from you to somebody else. So in theory, if you ran the vehicle identification number on your car, and mm-hmm. um, 
and it, and it would come back registered to you. Um, and then when that car went into a junkyard and maybe it got resurrected from the junkyard it went back and it would still the vehicle identification number would still show to you somehow so yeah um so if you were junking a, a vehicle okay and you, so you say well i'll go get a title reapply pay the fee or whatever yep. just to make sure things are right and you give it to them and you want that card you know you just want it to be junked yep. not how do you verify that well, for that you, reason, like well, liability, you know, people yeah, take things yeah. and then something happens. Well, one, once you sign it over to them, it's theirs and not yours anymore. Okay. So, so, as long as so yeah. So once you put, you know, uh, once you put, uh, you know, John Paul's auto salvage on the title, right. uh, it's not yours, it's now it's mine. And then anything that happens to it afterwards, I would be, you know, responsible for. So, so when they find the dead body in the trunk... Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that's the way to do it yeah. to really cover yourself yeah. 100%. Okay, the next thing, if you were going out to purchase a new car, brand new from a dealer, what steps would you take to do this? You know, yeah. uh, well, you know, to get the best price to make sure you're not getting, uh, you know, yeah. is there a certain amount of steps you don't have to answer if you want to think about it and yeah. talk to it later? No, no, it's, um, well... Uh, I guess I did it not too long ago. You know, first off, the first one was determining what I wanted. You know, which is always, you know, you have to yeah. you have to decide, you know, what I want. So, sure. um, and the second step is do a little bit of research. So you can use, you know, the Internet's a great place to do research. So you can go on, you know, cars.com, mm -hmm. NADA, Kelly Blue Book. Find out what that car should the retail price, so the sticker price that's on the window, and find out what the dealer paid for the car. Then it's so you the same, can find that out? You can can find you really out. find? Well, within, you know, you're never going to know about things like dealer holdback and other bonus incentives that come up down the road. So, yeah, that's right. So when I bought my Hyundai Santa Fe recently, um, I, I did all the research. I knew about what the car should cost you know i knew what the dealer cost was i knew what the retail price was and because i bought a base model uh, there wasn't a lot of room for profit in those in there um and then i looked at rebates and incentives that were available and at the time hyundai heavily rebated the car because um they they just came out with a a brand new 2019 model that is a little bit more expensive, but it has a ton of technology thrown in on top of it, like, you know, lane departure warning and blind spot monitor, all the things that were an option on the previous model. And it's also about an inch or two bigger. So they really were trying to incentivize the old ones to get them off the lot to make room for the new one. So they had a big incentive. Then I used, I used the AAA car buying service, which is really sort of, the Oz behind the curtain is really True Car, another website that does car buying plans. So I looked at that, and I looked at the price that was available through that. So then I was, um, so I said, you know, this is, you know, it was a, I, I'm making up the number. It was a $28,000 car that came down to 22000 when we were done or something. So I, I looked at it all and said, well, you know, this sounds you know, I can I can afford this, and it looks like it's a good deal. And it was sort of interesting. And as we were negotiating back and forth, and I bought it through um, uh, Prime in Rockland, and um, 
and they and they sort of have their own price, but I came in with with this price, and it seemed you know it, I, I was I was happy with it. And so I'm talking with you know the first the, the sales guy, then the sales manager, then I went in and talked to the you know the finance guy, and you know and I, and I said to him. Uh, and the other thing is, by the way, if you finance with them, the price can actually get just a little bit better because they make money in the financing. They don't really make money in the cars anymore. So financing actually adds a little bit of an incentive for them to do a little bit better price-wise. So I sat there and, and, and looked at it, and I said to the finance manager, I said, oh, where'd you work before you came here? And he told me, oh, I worked in an Infinity, Infinity dealership. Well, I happen to know the Infinity representative, and I said, I said, oh, do you know Andrew? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a really good guy. We worked together a lot. And I said, where'd you work before that? And he said, oh, I worked at Copeland Toyota in Brockton. And I said, oh, did you know, do you know, uh, you know, Dave, who, the service ma- service director there? Oh, yeah. And I said, you know, before. So we got a little rapport going. So we're all done. And I said to him, uh, just between you and me, what did you make? What did you really make on this car? And he spins his computer around. And he says, that's your transaction right here. And he points to the computer screen. And I said, does that say minus $1,195? And he said, yeah. And I said, how do you sell, how do you keep this building and all of the prime buildings and lose 1200 bucks on, on a car sale? And he said, we make it up on another one. He said, you didn't buy any options. You didn't, you didn't get any, you know, you didn't buy gap insurance. You didn't buy wheel and tire insurance. You didn't buy lost key insurance. He said, we, that's, that's where our, our profits made more on that than it is on the actual sale of the car. So he said, we lost money on you, but on the other hand, we gained a customer. We took a customer away from someone else. He said, you could have gone to, you could have gone to the Hyundai dealer in Brockton, or you could have gone to the Hyundai dealer in Quincy. You could have gone anyplace else. But he said, right. no, now I took them, you away from them. So for us, losing 1200 bucks, knowing that we're going to make $5,000 on a, you know, when we sell a Volvo, makes, you know, at the end of the day can make some sense. So I, it was mostly about looking at all the prices up front and saying, here's how much it costs. Here's how much it, here's, here's what their cost is. Here's the incentives and rebates that are available. What you don't know about, though, is when... Maybe at the end of the month or the end of the year, they might get an additional incentive, maybe 500 or $1,000, for each vehicle they sell over a certain number. So if they sell more than 1,000 Hyundai Santa Fe's, they might get, and I'm just making this up, they might get $500 more for all 1,000 that they sold. So... All of a sudden now, they all of a sudden they sold $500,000. They just got a $500,000 incentive check coming mm-hmm. to them to allow them, you know, to buy more cars. So, right. you know, that can happen. That's that can happen too. So that's an that's an incentive that no one knows about until until the right. you know, until they make their number or whatever it is. So, that's about the only that's you know, that's the best thing you can do. The old days of uh, lots of profit being made in cars i remember in the in the old days if i sent you to you know hey you know i had a good experience go see this guy ask for the salesman tell him i sent you in the old days they would send me a check for 500 dollars. Hmm. you know that was a bird dog fee right. there isn't 500 dollars made in some cars today the right. I, I was just looking i was just looking at um a base model um uh hyundai kona and the difference in price between the dealer cost and the retail was only eight hundred dollars. Right. 
So there's not that there's not that big profit there used to be years ago, and and I I, I remember you know I knew a Mercedes salesman. He said we used to make ten thousand dollars on every car we sold. He said we just don't do that. It's now it's made in the service department or it's made in the financing department. It's not made in so much the selling of the cars. So so just in the simple advice of you any deal and you look in the cars, sticker price is thirty thousand dollars even just to yeah. simplify it. Is there any ballpark percentage you could use yeah, probably, that's probably, relative yeah. to anything if it was a twenty-five thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand? Yeah. It's, it's probably it's probably in the ten percent range. So you know, if you looked at it, it was thirty, the dealer probably paid twenty-seven thousand. But there might be, depending on the time of the year and what they're doing with the cars, there may be you know five hundred thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar incentive on that car. Like on my car, there was a total of a thirty-five hundred dollar incentive package to sell the car. So it took thirty-five hundred off the price of the car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and those yeah, yeah. Num- and those numbers are out there. Those numbers are out there. They're out there. You just yeah. have to keep digging, yeah. huh? Yeah. You just have, to, work yeah, have to do a little bit of work. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tom. Roger. Yep. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. You listen to the Car Doctor program at AM 950 WROL. Let's talk to Paul and Lynn. Hi, John. How are you? How are you? Good. Um, I've got a question. Um, I owned a Dodge Magnum. I had it for 10 years, put 200,000 miles on it, and I needed it. Uh, it had a had a issue with it was going to cost me more than it was worth, and so I was looking for a car. Yep. And um, I loved the Dodge, and I loved that chassis, and so I was settled on a Dodge Charger or a Chrysler 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking through the Carfax website uh, about a month, month and a little over a month ago, uh, I found a Chrysler 300. It was a 2015. Yeah. Um, it had 1,100 miles on it. 1,100. 1,100. So, anyway, um, the Carfax was sort of clean. It was purchased in Montana, uh, in March of 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was repossessed like six months later. Then showed up at an auto auction in New York. Um, this summer, and uh, I bought it from a used car lot in Malden um, a few weeks ago for eighteen thousand. Okay, the, the car is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had it brought in. It still has some factory warranty on it. Yeah. Um, I had them do. They had a couple of recalls. It had a, a, a minor little cosmetic thing. I had them fix that. I had them check it all out. They they said it's fine. Um, what do I do with a car that was used so little for three years? Is there anything special I should be doing for for, for precaution? Um, no, I think I think you did it already. You had the car all checked out. Um, you know, you uh, you know, I assume they changed the, you know change the oil and things like that with it. Yeah, it's got, um, it's got yeah. fresh. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, I got yeah. the. Uh, yeah, but, well, they did it at the dealer, but I'm I'm going to do it and to make sure yeah. in another couple thousand. Yeah. It's got a sticker on it, but I'm going to get yeah. like, you know what it well yeah, when it and has four thousand miles on it. I'm going to get go to synthetic. Yeah, and the and, and the same the same thing. The coolant's been in the car for three years, and it probably has another two years worth of life. So if you normally would say, you know, I'll change my coolant. I just bought this new car. I'll change my coolant in five years. You know, you might want to do it. 
next year or the year after, even though you're not going to have that many miles on it, but just only because it's been sitting in there. Other than that, um, the only thing I would probably probably do would be when it goes in for an oil change service, only because it sat for as long as it did, um, I would just have them take some um, silicone spray and just lubricate any of the rubber bushings a little bit because they may have been a little bit dry sitting in one spot. Um, and the other thing is I'm surprised the tires are as good as they are where it didn't get driven a whole heck of a lot that they, they don't have, um, even though the tires, tires still have the little bold box yeah, on them. Yeah, but they, they, can it, st- they can still develop a little bit of a flat spot sometimes and they won't be quite as smooth as this. So I had our front end alignment, our four-wheel alignment, and I had them uh, take off the tires and rebalance them all in case the wheel wheel weight fell off. And it it sounds good and quiet going down the road? Uh, I I can't believe it. And and after having an old technology car, having one that lets you see where you go when you're going backwards and um, has navigation, has all the bells and whistles, it's really amazing, but no, I think you've yeah. done. I think you've done everything you need to do to it, and uh, go out and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I love the car. I, um, like I said, I I miss the Magnum. I wish they kept that one around. Yeah, that well, was, uh, that that was a, that was a beauty. I um, I had so much fun with that. Uh, that um, and like I said, uh, I'm, I'm, I've had Dodge products since about 1990. Okay. And, um, uh, our, our Chrysler product, yep. and I can't say enough about yep. them. I know you're, you're, you're three down times, but yep. they're yep. they're great cars as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, your 300 is actually still using um, when for a very short period of time when Mercedes actually owned Chrysler. Your 300 is actually using the e uh, the e chassis platform. Yeah, yep. it's yep. Um, the e class yep. chassis. Yep. And like I said, the, the Magnum had it, and it's a it's a beautiful. Plus, yep. it has the all wheel drive, so it's great in this yep. area. Yep. No, um, no, that like car, it. that car, when that car, over the years with the New England Motor Press Association, um, has won uh, the best in class for winter vehicle awards. So, no, you got you. It sounds like it sounds like you hit on a winner. Yeah, like I said I, I show people the car, and yeah. I tell. Well, it's three yeah. years old, and they sit down it, and they and I say, look at the mileage, and no. they go, well, now it's got like twenty three hundred on it. Yeah, no, go, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's <laughs> Paul. It sounds like you did well. Yeah, I'm tickled pink, and I love your show. You, I, I try to sleep in on Saturdays, but uh, you wake me up and I stay awake. All right, and, um, you, you mess me up for the day, but I, but uh, I, it's nice hearing a guy that has some practical knowledge and advice. All right, thanks, Paul. Take, Take care. care. Yep, bye bye. Bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is the phone number. You push that button first, then you move that up. Okay, let's talk to Tim. Tim. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. There we go. Uh, I'm, 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 yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, the missus and I are uh, not very car liter- literate. Okay. Uh, we've only bought one car in our history. Uh, it's done us very well, and we're ready to get a new one, but we're going to get a used car. Yeah. Um, I want something. Uh, I'm looking at something that is not too old. You know, fairly newish, a couple years old, mm-hmm. uh, so we don't have to worry about it for a while. But we are rubes. We are. You know, we don't have the experience to go in and hicker and dicker and negotiate. So, uh, 
what should we look out for so that we're not taken advantage of? Because we're very easy marks. Well, in what places should it, we look towards? In, in that case, I would go to a place like CarMax. CarMax okay. is a big, and they're they're all over the place. Um, and I think there's one down on Route One in Walpole. There's another one down in South Attleboro, um, out in the out west. But there, it's a big used car lot that sells mm-hmm. cars that are probably three, maybe four years and newer. The price is okay. the price is the price. There's no negotiation. Um, okay. The trade-in is done separately from the purchase of the car. So if you had a trade-in and you said, you yep. know what, I'm going to trade my car in and I'm going to ride my bicycle home, it's they will give you the same amount whether you walked home or whether you traded it in for another car. So you have a pretty good feeling that the price you pay is the price that the car is, car is worth. So that, you know, if you don't want to deal with the whole negotiation side of the world, that type yeah. of dealership is a good way to go. Um, there are a couple of websites, um, uh, car gurus, and I see cars, um, the letter I see cars.com. In fact, we had, we had, uh, the folks on from I see cars, uh, last week and they're good because what you can do is you can go to where, and say you go to a conventional used car dealer or a new car dealer that has used cars. You can go and you can say, Oh, look, they're looking to get Fifteen thousand dollars for this car. Let me just go real quick on IC Cars or Car Gurus and look and see what are other cars that are similar in the same area selling for. So you could. There's nothing worse than going into a car dealership and seeing a sign that says, you know, four thousand dollar price reduction. It went from twenty thousand to sixteen thousand, and see that sixteen thousand is what the car should sell for. So they artificially yeah. raise the price to lower it down. To, you know, so you think think you're getting a good deal. In fact, you're you you're probably getting an okay deal, but you're not getting the fantastic deal you think you are. Um, the Absolutely. other the other thing is what and I see cars just came up with this recently. They have something called a, a the 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 um, seventeen digit serial number of a car, the VIN, the vehicle identification number. They actually yeah. have a VIN decoder that works with a smartphone, and you can get it from their website. And what you do is you go over to you go over to their the the barcode on the car. You click it with your phone, and it tells you what the car is, what it should, what the typical transaction price, whether there's any recalls that are available. So all of a sudden now it does the little search for you, and you go, oh, this huh. you know this Toyota Corolla that I'm interested in is selling for. Thirteen thousand dollars. Oh wait, you know, five miles away, there's one for twelve. There's one for fifteen. There's another one for sixteen. Maybe thirteen thousand is a good deal. Maybe I should just buy it. And 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 there's always room for with most dealerships. There's always room for a little bit of negotiation. The big dealership like CarMax, that is not the case. Their their price is their price. So if you like to go in and you just don't want to have to go through any of the headaches and hassles and know that you're going to get. Maybe not a fantastic price, but you're going to get a good price, sure. and you're not going to take it, get taken advantage of. Um, AAA's to plug us a little bit. AAA's car buying service also does used cars as well, kind of the same, kind of the same idea. But if you're looking, what I like about a place like CarMax, CarMax is a perfect place for somebody who doesn't know what they want. 
So, exactly. yeah, so if you're like, I don't know if I want a small SUV. I don't know if I want a big truck. I don't. So all of a sudden now you can go around and you can go, well, there's two or three small SUVs. There's two or three of these. There's two or three of these. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go try them all and see which one seems the best. Um, so you get now, a good let variety. Me ask you another question, because you, you've raised, you, you've made me think of something else, and this may be a very remedial question. So if I use the uh, IC Cars app and I mm-hmm. scan the VIN number, but not necessarily on the car I'm buying, but even on the car I'm trading in, it'll give me that ballpark of what the price is. Now I, I realize a car dealership price or the uh, right the uh, blue book yeah. value. Yeah. Uh, with with if it tells me what the blue book value is. Percentage-wise, what should I expect to get? Because I know I'm not going to get 100. percent That's well, common sense. But well, is it a 50 percent cut? Is it a yeah? I mean, there there are if you use other sites as well, like Kelly Blue Book and NADA Guides and places like that, you can also they'll they'll list what the trade-in value is based on the overall condition. So it'll yeah, be yeah. like you know fair, good, whatever the case is. So you get an idea. You get an idea what the overall condition of the vehicle is, and the idea. But as, as a there's no hard and fast rule that the retail, if something retails for, you know, 12, let's say $5,000. Well, keep in mind yeah. the dealer has to go through the car, do anything that's immediately wrong with it and fix it. They also have to provide some sort of warranty and they also have to provide some reconditioning costs. So, yeah. you know, so by the time you're done and thinking that they have to do all of those things, so that car that's on the lot for $5,000 they may take that car and trade for three thousand or thirty five hundred or something like that. Gotcha. Uh, and and you know that's 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 another way to look. One of the other places you can look, and and people have had good and bad luck, is some of the um, former daily rentals, the Hertz, Avis, you know those kind of places. Um, yeah. Uh, right across the street from our Westwood office, there's uh, I think it's. Thriftier Enterprise, and they sell their used cars. They're they're late model. They all have higher mileage, you know, forty thousand miles on them or so. My last two cars were both former rentals, and we had we had good luck with both of them. Um, so you know, you you have an idea. Did somebody go out and beat the daylights out of it? Well, if it was a Mustang convertible, probably. If it was a, yeah. you know, if it was a Toyota Rav Four, probably not. You know, so. Um, so, and the same thing with there. Those prices tend to be, those are all, that's the price. Here it is on the window. That's what it's worth. And their trade-in, I, I know at the Enterprise Place, because I went over there and looked, I said, how do you handle trade-ins? And, and the guy said to me, pretty simple. Go on Kelly Blue Book, look up your car, be realistic about the conditions. So if it's fair, it's fair. If, it's, if your car's pristine, it's the best price it is. And he said, that's what, that's what we give you. Yeah, he said, "There's no negotiation, no, you know." But I always keep in the back of my mind what somebody told me long ago about the uh, about the store up in Maine, and it said, "We we buy junk, we sell antiques." And <laughs> and you know, so when you go to bring something in, they scratch their head, they walk around, they look at the tires, they go, "Geez, you know, this thing's pretty well, you know, pretty worn out." And then they clean it and polish it and put it up, put it on the lot, and say. This was this was driven by a guy and his wife, and you know they they you know they didn't have dogs and they didn't smoke in the car, and this thing's perfect. So yeah. you know, keep in mind there's a little bit of that out there still too. Absolutely, I thank you very much All right. for your time. It was very enlightening. All right, take care, Tim. Bye bye. You have a great day. You as well. Let's take one more call and then take a break. Let's talk to Sal in East Boston. Sal, is that you? It's me. It is. <laughs> All right. I called you about a couple of weeks ago, if you remember the knock sensor. 
Kind of. Yep. Okay, so I had it fixed. Someone did it for me. Okay. Now, um, seems it went off and all that. Now, why were we going to number three? Because the book is saying going to number three if you want to, you know, in case you get stuck in snow. You know, the BTM port. Oh, okay. You press that to go into it? Uh, How does it work? No, it should. So remind me again what kind of car this is. It, it's a 2005 Honda Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it should be unless there's some sort of transmission problem. So you're saying that when you shift into when you shift into drive, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Reverse. Yeah. Uh, you know all that. Yeah. But it won't won't go into that D3. D3. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if, if you got to press the the VTM button you and then it's you, no. To... You you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. No. 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 The the that that is more for um, I believe in that car it locks the all wheel drive system in place. So I don't right. I don't know it. D three is just D three is simple enough. D three is just the regular transmission performing the way it should without as much overdrive. So you would use D3, for instance, in, um, say you were towing a trailer and you were towing, okay. you, were, you were towing up the mountains oh, and, okay. and, and you didn't want to, you didn't want to, um, have it shifting up and down so much. So it wouldn't go into essentially fourth gear. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Or it wouldn't go into overdrive the same way. So it's not going to, what happened when you shift into D3, what happens? Nothing, it won't go. Oh, it just it won't, won't go into D. Oh. It just won't go into D, D, D three and and two. Yeah, the last one. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do a little bit of research on that one. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. though, yeah, those that is. Uh, yeah, I knew. Yeah, that is. You know, the, those gears. You know, they. You, you should be able to put it into D two and D three, and it should it should drive normally. In fact, I think D two actually starts in second gear and D three I think just holds in third gear. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's not, okay. It sounds like now does anything flash on the dash when you try to do that? No, nothing. No, nothing no. No. Okay. No, uh, I mean I never used it before. Yeah. You know, I never I never went into D three at D yeah. oh. And I mean I never had any to go there. Well there's no there's no yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to start now then. Right. Yeah. But is it a transmission problem? It's it sounds like it sounds like an electronic shifter problem, but let me let me do a little let me do a little bit of thinking on this one. Okay. Okay? But I right. if I had to guess I would say it's it's an electronic selector switch, but let me do oh, let me okay. Yeah, cuz it doesn't because it's shifting normally in drive. So that's right. telling me the internal parts of the transmission are all working the way they're supposed to. So it's, you know, it's it's if you said to me yeah, you know, the transmission shifts fine, but all of a sudden it skips from, you know, it starts off in first, shifts to second, and then goes into fourth and skips third altogether. I'd say, oh, you got you have a problem inside the transmission. Or, right, or if you right. said to me it flares when it's going into third gear, and then you have a problem in the transmission. This sounds like an electronic selector problem, um, not a valve body problem. It sounds more like built into the into the shifter itself, but I need I need to do just a little bit of research on that one. Is that a big problem? I mean, is that serious? How long, how long have you had this car? I, I had it. I bought it used yep. in 2013. Yep. Has it been, so, yeah, ha, 2013. Has it been a problem so far, right? 
No, no. no. But I, like I say, I never, I never had to shift in that. So I thought that once I had that knock sensor fixed and everything else, oh, let me try it. I thought you had a, I thought you had to press the button, the VH1, whatever you call it. Yeah. The VTM4. Yeah. You press that and then you shift into it. No. Yeah. What that does is that locks up, that locks up all of the, um, the the difference between. Uh, in other words, it, your car is basically a, a front-wheel drive car that when you when you put it in, when it's in all-wheel drive, it's front-wheel drive and it allows the rear wheels to turn. When you push that button, what it does is it locks up the front and rear together, so you have so you have better traction in poor weather conditions. And you right, said right. and you said your your car is two thousand ten, right? No, five. Oh, two thousand five. Yeah. So. Um, like I said, give me a, give me a little bit of, give me a little, let me, let me think about it during the next commercial and see if I can come up with something. Okay. Okay. Right. So I'll, I'll listen to you. Right? All right. That what you That's what I want you to do. Okay. Thank you. All right. Sir. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Let me put my transmission hat on and see if I can come up with something. We'll be right back. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry cause I always wanted me one that was long and black. One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in a the lunchbox in my hand. Now getting caught meant getting fired, but I and welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Well, I did a little bit of quick research while the commercials were playing, and was thinking about Sal's uh, Honda Pilot with the doesn't shift in you know shifts in drive. Drive seems to work fine, and it appears to be kind of what I thought a uh, a shifter issue, perhaps a shift solenoid problem. Um, and I'm just looking at a symptom index of things it can be, and when you have when you have um, you know operation and drive, but you don't have operation in in say like low or something. The first thing it says to look at is to look at the um, shifter solenoid. Again, these are things that, as you start to get into the transmission, can can be a bit of a problem. But um, it where drive and reverse are working fine it it doesn't mean that it looks like you know sometimes you wonder about things and it's like well if it's working and driving it doesn't work in reverse it's a it could be a pump problem and you know seals it are an issue um it doesn't look like that it looks more like it's it's an issue with um the shift solenoid valve and again it can be it can be a, a bad bad wiring in there it can be anything that sort of fits into that category Okay, we have our uh, we have our drawing for our Bob Tasca funny car model. Now the hit. 
What was that? Uh, user error. User <laughs> error for our bot. And we didn't, I'll be honest, we didn't get a lot of entrance. But somebody is going to win. And I wish everybody could win, you know, because people wrote things like, uh, great show, I listen every week. Um, uh, please enter my name, I listen every week. Um, I always look forward to your show each week. Um, and this person, this person was paying enough attention because he knows that one of the, I'm kind of cleaning off my desk a little bit. So, but this was actually, this wasn't on my desk. This is actually in the package. Um, never, never been opened. And it's a, um, it's Tasker's funny car. It's a model of Tasker's funny car when he was running the top alcohol car, not, not the top fuel car that he's running now. So it's actually, it's, um, it was when he was number one in that category. And it's a, it's a pretty nice little model. So if you like model cars and your collectibles and things like that, um, you have a chance to win. And so I don't have to feel guilty. I'm going to let Dennis choose the winner. Eyes closed. And press this button here. All right. Who won? Mike F. All right. The, yeah, I can't say the last name, so Mike F. Okay, so I'll keep that so I don't forget. Um, Michael, uh, I will email you because I have your email because I need your mailing address, and you just send me your mailing address. So so I picked the one that I, I was saying that I was going to pick earlier, but that's I, right. even, I did close my eyes. You did close your eyes. You <laughs> did it all randomly. I, I did not, I did not in the, uh, you know, in the uh, magician world, I did not force force anything on you like they do uh, uh i don't know i watch yeah i watch too much yeah, Penn and Teller. yeah yeah which i like by the way. uh let's talk to paul and braintree good morning good morning there paul. we go there we go fine fine how are you good uh, i wanted uh to thank you and give you an update uh, uh i emailed you i had uh, a i had to replace what i thought was just going to be a uh a low beam uh, left light in my car, and uh, it turned out that I had to uh, replace the entire uh, unit, light unit. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, it, it, it was a. Uh oh. Uh oh. We just have to retrain Dennis. So Paul, Paul had a great story there about replacing something. So hopefully Paul calls right back because. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Dennis today. He didn't get enough sleep. Last night. He didn't. I don't know. Definitely didn't get enough sleep last night. All right. So point. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Paul, call back. I want to hear more of the story. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's uh, going to have to retrain him. Going to have to send him out. Get him trained again. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's. It's so it's so confusing here. You know, he took a took a week off. He took a bunch of weeks off. His first week back, he was fine. I don't know what I don't know what happened. The force apparently is not with you. No, we have Paul back now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Something I said. Something yeah, I said. Yeah, it was something you said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, guess I don't know how much got out there, but I had to replace the. You, uh, replace a, you thought you were going to replace a bulb, and it turned out yeah. you had to replace the entire assembly. Absolutely. Uh, and fortunately, I had through AAA the extended warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, a company called Mercury. Yep. 
company, and and all but for the well, for the, except for the fifty dollars deductible, right. they covered everything. I still had to pay for the bulb. Still had to pay for the bulb. Yep. Which was a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's because they consider a bulb like wiper blades and tires and brake pads. They consider it a wear item because. Well, I didn't mind. I, I didn't. I wasn't really complaining about the yeah. insurance, but just the cost would, of the bulb. I would complain. Um, I think on newer models they've gone to LED, which are long lasting and. I well, don't you know, it's it's, it's it's like it's like all that stuff. Um, LED bulbs last forever. The electronics that power them may not. So, you know, when you, you know, I, I was thinking about that, you know, I replaced a bunch of, um, I had, you know, little downlight spotlight bulbs in my house and I replaced them with LED, you know, kits. So I'm like, and you know, they have like a million hour life unless the electronics go bad. Then when the electronics go bad, you, you throw the whole thing away. So that's kind of the problem. But yeah, some of the, some of the bulbs, you know, you, you think, you think, think that it's going to last a long time and the leds that we're starting to see in some cars now they work really well and i haven't seen it yet but there was i guess it was just a um there was just a special a, a news special or something um about uh headlight laws and and how they need to be how they need to be updated because um even as good as headlights are today, they're not as good as they could be in other places around the world. So, um, so it's it's sort of like, well, we have some good stuff, and the new LEDs are good, but there's also better lights that are available. And I've kind of been I've been saying that for a while that there there's is as good as headlights are when when you're driving when you're driving on. Uh, with your low beams on, if you're driving more than, say, 45 miles an hour, you're actually out driving how far you can see. So if you glance down the road at 45 and say, oh, there's nothing up, there's nothing ahead, by the time you actually get to that same spot, the next time you look, you've actually outdriven it a little bit. So, Yeah, I've noticed with my car, although the lights are much brighter than they were on the old Volvo that I had before, yeah. they, don't seem to, they don't seem to carry as far as they used to. And... Um, I even have a little device in my car with a, a little, a little uh, uh, not crawl button, but yeah. I can uh, uh, move move the lights up and down uh, a couple of angles, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty neat. But they still, you know, the the old incandescent bulbs. I have no idea what they were. They seem to go down the road further. Maybe not as bright, but further than than these high intensity, if that's what they are, yeah. light bulbs. Yeah, well, the high-intensity bulbs have a very specific cutoff. If you're on a dark, deserted road and you turn your lights on, you can look down. It's like bright, 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 boom, and it's dark. Where the yeah. where the older-style incandescent and even halogen bulbs are sort of bright and then dim, 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 dim. So you can see a very specific – you can see the line where your bulbs actually almost make like a 90-degree angle, and then mm-hmm. it's very flat and, and sharp. And and you're right. They, as good as they are, they're they're only as good as they are for shorter distances. I was sitting in on a, on a, a, one of our AAA classes down in Rhode Island the other day, and the instructor, who's a former um, uh, colonel at the at the state police in Rhode Island, said 
Um, his recommendation is everybody should drive with their high beams on when there's nobody when there's nobody on the road, so you can get this, so you can see better, and you're able to you're able to get more visibility in the road. And of course, you know, dim dim your lights when you pull behind somebody, or you know, when somebody's coming the other way. But the idea of driving with your high beams on, most people don't think about it, in, unless you know, unless it's really like one of those dark, deserted nights. But if you're driving on a local road and there's not really a lot of traffic around, your high beams are going to illuminate that much better you're going to be able to look for stuff in the road you're going to look for animals and things like that so yeah there is there we're we're starting to see there there's some thoughts now about changing the the rules and regulations for headlights so we can get even better headlights on the road and better headlights don't mean necessarily more expensive headlights um just with your car i yeah exactly i find i i have uh where i live i'm a mile off the main road and it's it's very nice but it's winding and at night, I have my high beams on yep. uh, all the time, yep. just because they're twining, and we have deer occasionally and other critters, um, and um, so it's it's nice to see them. You know, I was wondering why I'm always putting my 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 brights on. I'm afraid of blinding uh, people, oncoming right. people, right. and so I try to roll them, but it but it really does illuminate it. I think the other question when 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 you're buying a car, new or I guess used, is there any way to, to get an idea what replacement uh, cost of, of items like that? I would never no, think when I, no, I bought a car to say, well, gee, you know, if this ever goes, it's going to cost me yeah, and it's, and it's kind of, dollars. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because with I remember when HID lights came out and they said they'll last forever. You'll never have to put a headlight bulb in. Well, I guess forever means like five or six years. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think I have a, a longer, I was going to buy a an aftermarket yep. one at uh, maybe a third the price, but apparently the, these are guaranteed for a number of years right? Uh, if they go. So, I mean, I, it was worth spending that extra money to ensure that if I, you know, I want the labor cost of replacing <laughs> this bulb, which, by the way, as you probably know, you got to put the car in the lift. There's a, uh, um, you have to remove this cover behind the, the wheel well, yep. take that out to get to the bulb. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, just, it's not screwing something from the front of the car. No, no, and, 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 and that's an easy one because in some cars you actually have to take off the front bumper fascia. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so... You know, you think you think of those things. No, there. It would be nice to be able to say, you know, I'm going to go buy this car, and I know that these. And there are studies that are done on used cars that, you know, if you're thinking about buying a used car, and they look at typical costs of replacement items like oxygen sensors and you know air filters and all those kind of things, and and look at them all and go, um, well, this is going to cost. X amount of dollars in a Toyota, it's going to cost twice as much money in a in a Ford. It's going to cost half as much money in a Chevy, but you never know. And then what sometimes happens is, as parts fail more often, the prices start to go down. So you might say, I don't want to buy that, you know, that new um, Ford EcoSport SUV because I know the headlights in that are going to be expensive if they ever break. But on the other hand, you know, two years later, you find out everybody switched to that style headlight and the prices come down and it's become more affordable. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, well, can get, you can get an idea, but not a, not always a great idea. Well, one other thing, and I don't want to take up time. The, uh, it was a bad had a couple of weeks. I had to replace the battery, and the place I went to, very nicely, suggested I go with a five-year battery. I, I had a three-year battery that, you know, one of the cells died. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whatever the day the third year ended. Yeah. Um, yeah they had that perfectly timed. I had to call AAA uh, to get, I thought I left the dome light on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that. It just that one of the cells was done. So I put a five-year battery in. I think it's an Excite. Yeah. Uh, is that a good investment? Uh, a five year yeah, because, because it's probably really not a five. It's probably three years, a hundred percent, and the other two years are somewhat prorated. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't but, that much more yeah. expensive. But so. the, the average the average life of a battery in the Northeast is about I don't know fifty fifty five months I think. So Jeez. you know if it if it is in fact a five year battery and it is guaranteed for you know, fully guaranteed for five years or prorated for five years. Um, when it gets close to five years, you'll probably need a new one. And, and we, and, you know, we, we've, you know, we've seen batteries fail as little as three years. There's nothing like the original battery that came with the car. Um, yeah. They tend to be the ones that last the longest, even though um, they're made by the same, they're made by the same battery company it could be you know it could be johnson controls or or east penn battery company or something like that they're all made by the same battery company and uh, and what happens what happens is that they're they i believe they are made somewhat differently so even though that factory battery only has a one-year warranty i talk to people that have you know batteries in their car that are brand new and last five six seven eight years and um and the battery that was in my car was at about seven years and i left one of the rear doors open and the dome light stayed on for the weekend and that totally that 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 ended its life so i had to replace the original battery as a parody about three years ago it was that time when a lot of batteries sitting in the shelves we yeah. had some problems yeah. with it they replaced three batteries within uh, a couple of months yeah yeah we, uh, we and i had a little problem with that yeah. convincing them i didn't do anything yeah, we, just, yeah we we try to we we rotate our batteries out of stock at AAA every six months and i've been told ours are made by east penn which also makes a million other batteries um they make batteries for bmw and whatever and and i've been told that when we our batteries get sent back to the east penn battery company they get relabeled as walmart batteries yeah. the exact same battery so they peel off, they, they, which, you know, no one really wants to say how how old is the shelf life of a battery. I just bought a little battery for, for something, and, you know, it was brand new in the box. And I happened to, when I took it out of the box, it was a year and a half old. And I'm like, the thing's, thing only normally lasts two. How much life am I going to get out of this thing? So, but they have, the place I went to happened to have it, so I bought it anyway. But, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Again, thank you for all your help. I really appreciated it, and... Uh, Hope I don't have another problem for a couple of weeks at least. I, I hope not either. All right, take care, Paul. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Bye bye. All right, before we get to uh, Peter, I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, and that's the BMW i3. It's a compact four-passenger, four-door electric car. Comes in two models, the base and the sportier S model. Both versions can be optioned with a range extender. The range extender is a small two-cylinder generator that's designed to add about 60 miles of additional range to the electric motor. The range extender gasoline generator is generally designed to help eliminate the fear of running out of electricity and having no place to recharge, called range anxiety. Um... Our road test was in the i3S with the range extender, so the sportier version is 184 horsepower um, electric motor. That's up uh, 14 horsepower over the standard. Very good acceleration, 0 to 60 in 7 seconds. There are several settings to maximize the motor's performance or range. When fully charged, the i3 can travel about 120 miles or so. And with a full gas, gas tank, it offers about another 60 or 70 miles. The generator only has a 2-gallon two, two tank. 
So again, it's designed to, oh, there's no place to recharge. Well, I can go another 50, 60, 70 miles on gasoline. And if I have to go further than that, I'll find another gas station, buy another gallon of gas. So I'm, I'm ready to go. So um, the two-cylinder engine generator is a bit noisy. Uh, we went out to dinner with it one night when the electric battery was completely dead. And it sort of sounded like behind you. Um, but it was fine. Uh, recharging the battery takes five to seven hours when plugged into a level two battery charger. So the kind you see by the, you know, in parking lots and things. Plugging into the 110 volt trickle charger takes a lifetime to recharge. Um, took about 24 hours. Um, the handling of the small car was surprisingly good. The ride over choppy roads uh, gets a little tiring and noisy, uh, especially with the slightly sportier suspension and tires on the car. Um, it's a great city car, though. But I did drive it back and forth to work for three or four days, you know, out on highway speeds, and it was fine. The cabin of the small car is pretty open and airy. The front seats are comfortable, supportive. Overall, the cabin's quite attractive with its mixture of, I felt all eco inside of it. It had kind of weird materials and reclaimed woods, and I just felt like I should go recycle afterwards. Um but the uh, the car itself um, is kind of unique because the rear doors are sort of clamshell doors like a little pickup truck. So you open up the front door, open up the back. There's no posts. So it's easy to get it in and out of. It claims to seat two people back there. It's a little tight. I don't know about that. But uh, I guess two small people could fit. Um, the uh, controls are a bit odd. It's sort of a push-button start and an odd shift arrangement. The shifter in this was easier to figure out than the last BMW sedan that I drove, which I tended to have more problems with. Um, still, as good as the controls are, there's a little too much distraction here and there. There's a small center console, glove box, two odd cup holders, one sort of where you would expect it and one that you can't use. It's sort of in the center console area. So you, once you put something there, you have to... It's just, they, it's BMW saying Americans want cup holders, so we stuck one in wherever there was room, and that's kind of what they did. It seems kind of silly. The only good thing about it, if you did put a soda or something there, at least it wouldn't tip over. But you also can't get to it when you want it. Um, our car had the optional smart cruise control, which added forward collision warning with pedestrian detection. The BMW i3 is a, sort of a hip, stylish, eco-friendly vehicle. The biggest problem is the i3 is that it's price. It competes with... Pure electric vehicles that offer longer range, such as the Tesla Model 3 and the Chevrolet Bolt. If you can live with a bit shorter range, there are very few vehicles that have the polarizing look of an i3. Our price, 54000 but that was the top of the line with the range extender. I like the idea of the range extender. If you're somebody who drives more than just 5 or 10 miles back and forth to work, having that range extender as an emergency backup for it just makes a ton of sense. Let's go real quick to uh, Peter and Hyannis. Peter? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. How are you? Uh oh, we're losing you, Peter. What? We're losing you. Spin around. Do something. Hold your phone higher. <laughs> I'm in a basement. All right. All right. Any better? A little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, thank you. Thanks to you and Dennis for this weekly show. It's a good one. Well, yeah, um, we, could, we, couldn't, uh, we could almost not do it without him. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you. Um, uh, so a couple questions. All right, uh, go ahead. Uh, quickies, uh, is there a product? Is there, you know, I've got the common problem of 
of uh, the headlights, uh, the plastic covers on a 2005 CRV Honda. Yep. Uh, there are, you know, they're getting all discolored. Yep. Go, go to getting cataracts. Yeah. Go uh, to go to the or go to the auto parts store or department store or something, and go go to the auto parts section. If you go to Kmart, go to the car section and buy uh, a headlight restoration kit. It'll come with a bunch of. Uh, it'll come with some stuff to scrub the plastic so you can get it nice and clean. There is some kits yeah. that come with little buffing wheels or yeah. or I have I have I have and they work okay or yeah. Go out there with, um, go look in the closet for some off, you know, stuff yep. for mosquitoes. Go spray yep. it on there, wash it off, spray it on there, wash it off, spray it on there, wash it off, and see if it makes them better. All right. And I have That's no right. idea what's in off that that takes <laughs> off the haze off the plastic, but it does. It's called off. Yeah, yeah it's called off. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Else, I yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'll try it. Yeah, try that. I talked to somebody who couldn't get an inspection sticker. The person said, I can't give you a sticker. Your headlights are too hazy. They went home. They offed them three times. They went back, and the guy said, they look fine now. No problem. Yeah, so, right. Yep. Uh, this is good. All right. You start that, it doesn't cost anything. Okay, we, one more ca- question real quick. We're running out of time. Uh, I got it. Okay, um, I'm sure there are many different kinds of solenoids. Uh, I know I had, you know, once uh, with an Everwood outboard motor, yep. I had I had that go. Yep. Uh, of course, couldn't couldn't start that sticker. Yep. 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 All right. And then the telephone company, yeah, solenoids in, the, yep. you know, yep. in my garage. Yep. Yeah. But what is, I was going to look this up, you know, do the yep. uh, search. Yep. What is the function of a solenoid? But you were talking uh, about solenoids. Yeah. Here's, here, here's real quick what a solenoid does. A solenoid connects... Uh, a high voltage source to whatever it powers up using yeah. a low voltage control. So okay. a solenoid is about the same thing as a relay. And what it yeah. does when you need to bring high power from, say, the high power from the battery to the yeah. starter, which requires high power, the thing that right. turns the solenoid on is a low power switch. So that way you can have a little tiny wire that turns on the big fat wire that runs from one to the other. I get it. Okay. That, that was well said. All right. All right. Good enough. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for All the right. info. Yep. Bye-bye. Hey, there's Paul Sullivan sitting over there playing with his phone, looking at looking at the time. He's telling me you have two minutes and five seconds left to get out. I'm not telling you that. Greenwich Mean Time. Greenwich Mean Time is telling me yeah. that. How, how, how does that sync with our own studio uh, clock? Are we close? Actually, it's pretty spot on. Wow, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, so it's uh, for, for those of you yeah. setting your watches at home, yeah. it is 9.58 and 13 seconds. And the weather is clear and f- 63 degrees. Remember when you used to call the time? I know. And they <laughs> said the time at the beep will be 10 uh, o'clock. Uh, and here, here, we, here we go, back down Geezer Road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the land of the old white men. Uh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So what's going on for the Irish Hit Parade today, Mr. Sullivan? I don't think there's a remote today, so um, it'll be less hectic than it's been the last couple I, of weeks. I know, I know. It'll be nice yeah. and, um, yeah. and demure and calm and sedate. And it's a beautiful day, so if people are in or out, they can enjoy the very best of Irish music heard right here every Saturday and Sunday. There is a bright golden haze on the meadow, yes. Is that? Another old reference. Yeah. yeah. Two? Two? Uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I, was just, I was thinking. Uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Stein, yeah. yeah 1940-something. So. <laughs>
1941. Something yeah. like that. It was the spring. See, Dennis it was, is looking at me it, like I'm it was, a crazy man. It, it was the spring. That. I remember it with a little bit of haze myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, Gordon, 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 what was his you know, name? I'm Gordon. not much younger than you guys, uh, but that even went over my head. Oh, wow. Gordon McRae and the uh, Partridge family mother, uh, Shirley. Oh, yeah. Shirley Jones? Yeah. 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 Thank you. There you Let's go. Call me if I'm wrong, folks. And they will. They yeah. sure will. <laughs> All right. We have to go because Greenwich Mean Time says we're about out of time. I Wait, bet. Is that right? Let me I check. Hold Let's on. Check. Huh? The piano yeah. guy doing Yeah. I hear the piano guy. Is the piano guy doing it? Yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's got about, uh, I don't know, let's say, I'm going to turn my phone here. He's got uh, 10 seconds. This is where we need Facebook Nine, Live just for this eight, sort of stuff. Seven, hey, until seven, next week, make sure six. you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.